Uh, hands up, have you been away on holidays yet? Who's been on holidays? Anybody? Hands up, you're hanging in by the skin of your teeth waiting for one. Yeah, a few of you. Hands up if you're can't, not going away. Some of you. Anyway, you're all... Yeah, I'm definitely ready for all that. Hey, I want to just introduce a couple of friends. We've had, um, uh, you know, this is Tim and Krista. Why don't you stand up, guys? These are friends, uh, pastor friends of ours. They're over from the States. Um, they're from St. Joseph's, Missouri. And uh, um, they are um, uh, friends of ours from uh, Bethel World uh, through the BLN. Uh, last year when Megan Rana and myself were over, we, uh, Megan Rana connected with these guys. So they're on their 35th wedding anniversary tour. So, well done. So uh, yeah, you can go speak to those guys, get them to pray for you, whatever. It's good, good to see you. So uh, it's, uh, it's good to have. I said to them this morning, I said, I should have had you preaching. And, uh, and uh, it's like, that would have been a good one for it. But I mean, listen, it's good. Um, uh, say good morning. Thanks so much for uh, uh, everybody who's uh, uh, continued to pray. A couple of things just in the house that we want to pray for. Let's continue to pray for Hillary. She's at the back there. She's going through her chemo, but let's just pray that God just uh, comforts them when we go through. And, um, you know, if you're sick or you're ill or whatever, we really want to pray for you. So please don't leave today without doing that. Um, if you're mentally fatigued and you're struggling with your mind, Julian and Lane are sitting the front row. Go have a chat with them. We do have some pastoral care. And I want to let you know that Eddie and Julian, who aren't here today, are they? Oh, they are. Okay. Eddie and Julian. Yeah, good to see us. Eddie and Julian have agreed to take over pastoral care, which is. Come on. A uh, couple of things just want to set you up for September of next year. Uh, we've been working. I, we've been working incredibly hard just to change some structure stuff. So uh, over the next few months, we're going to let you know some some new information that's going to come out in September. Some staffing changes, some structural changes, some things that are going to help the betterment of our of the life of our church. Uh, one of the things that um, we just we got there's a lot of things we have to get better at. You know, when you come out of COVID, we get a new building. And then there's a, just, there's a whole bunch of things that just haven't been running very well, and we're going we're to work very hard to do that. There are going to be some staffing changes, and we'll tell you about that over the next few weeks whenever we make that more official. Uh, I'm excited about the future. I'm ex- excited about what God's doing in our church. I'm also excited about the call that he has for our church. There are so many churches around the world right now. I can't even tell you. I think I've had seven emails in the last three, four weeks from churches who want to get a hold of what we are carrying in our theotherapy world. And um, it's like, I'm kind of going, I don't even know how we do this. I'm trying to do it here, never mind anywhere else. And I feel like the, uh, you know, I feel like it's an old word that we were given that we're punching way above our weight. We're not a big church by numbers, but I really feel that the Lord has us to influence the, the island of Ireland and further afield. And we're already doing that and you're already doing that. Um, and I just uh, continue to pray for a ministry of church. So we, we've got a local church here that we do local mission, which you're going to talk about today. And then we've got a national mission that I really feel the heart of God uh, into bringing revival onto Ireland. So uh, thanks for everybody's praying for that. It's good. Just to continue to pray. Also, want to bring you a wee bit update about Dunpatrick. Um, many of you know we've got a sister church down in Dunpatrick, a great group of people down there. If you haven't been or you're down there, just go visit them some Sunday. They'll really appreciate that. Um, but um, we've just taken on a, a mortgage on a new building. We've taken the old cricket building over there. We're fitting that out right now. But I want to let you know that at some point in the future, date to be affirmed, I'd like to lift an offering for them. Um, they're not a big church and they just need about 25000 to finish off. Um, and I know that sounds like, in the grand scheme of things, that sounds like a lot of money to you, but whenever everybody comes together and does a little bit, it's actually not a huge amount of money. And uh, we just need to, to finish some things off to get them in that building. Right now we're paying a mortgage and rent, and I need them out of that to pay only, only a mortgage. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll give you more information on how to do that. But if you feel led today, come and talk to me at the end. I'll show you how you can do that. There's a little drop down on the, on the church suite app. You can do that and give that into the Downpatrick account, with, with the building fund for that. Uh, we're excited what's going on there. That building down in there, 
will become a community resource in a way that is actually really exciting. There's not anything else like that down there. There's not a hotel there. There's not a place for people to come and meet. And the amount of um, uh, uh, requests we have to use the building in there. So we want to create a community hub where people are in there morning and night and the church interacts with the community, which leads me very nicely to my sermon today. If you've got your Bibles with you, why don't you turn with me to Luke 5. Uh, we're going to be covering that. T- today it's really interesting. Um, uh, the series is called Gone Fishing and I didn't come up with it. Nor did Andy. It's like it's a strange one. Mike came up with it, but um, you know, it's a it's a fun, I like. I'm not sure I like that, but anyway, that's a whole other thing because when I think of fishing, that's not what we think of, Andy, is it? No, no, it's really not. So, uh, but if you got your Bibles, why don't you turn with me? We're going to be in Luke five, one to ten. One day, as Jesus was standing by the Lake of Galilee, um, uh, who's been on the Lake of Galilee? Oh, good, a few of you. All right. Um, and uh, there were there crowd. There was a group crowding around him and listening to the word of God. So Jesus was teaching. Uh, he saw uh, at the water's side, the edge, two boats that were left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, and one belonged to Simon, and asked him, could he put it out a little from the shore? Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a, for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come over and help, and they came and filled their boats so full that they began to sink. Then Simon Peter said, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man, which is an interesting response to an awful lot of fish getting caught. Uh, for For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. Ten, uh, and so were James and John, the sons of uh, Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats up on the shore, left everything and followed him. Now, now that last sentence is an interesting one to me. They just caught the biggest catch of their lives and they walked away from it. It's, an, it's a real interesting one. Um, I wonder... If you ever think about your ordinary day, everyday calling, or your everyday life, I mean, some people talk about calling in a real weird way. The Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. I wonder when I ask a question, what are you called to? See, sometimes I think we, 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 we attach Christianity onto what we do instead of what we do being attached onto our Christianity. We have it around the wrong way. And I feel like the Lord, I feel, I feel like the Lord wants to help us understand something that being obedient isn't always about being called. All right, there's, there's being obedient to Jesus and then there's being called to a mission. And, and God sometimes puts it on the heart of someone to step into a calling that he anoints and then you recognize that in a person's life. But we're all called to a mission of the church. So I, I, I want to separate those two things out. There's people who have a calling. I, I believe I have a calling on my life to do what I do. But I think we're all called to the mission of Christ. So I want to separate that before we start. And I want to talk a little bit about to say that you as a Christian have an obedience that we're meant to have towards God. And you're probably like most of us were when we were children, disobedient. Any disobedient children? Who's got kids? They always do what they're told. Yeah, I see a few of you shaking your head. See, Matthew 28, 28, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, not not stay in church, go, 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you to do, and surely I will always be with you to the very end of the age. You see, there's a problem today, and here it is. We worked all night, and we didn't catch anything. It's called apathy. And when you've tried to do something for a very long time and haven't had any results, there's an apathy that begins to creep in that we just go, stuff it. There's no point doing that anymore. And, and unfortunately, there's, there's an awful lot of apathy in the church about a lost world that's kicked in that we need to shake off. We need to, we need to have a new mindset about. You see, we've fished all night. We've, we've fished over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, and we haven't caught anything. Now, it's interesting that when Jesus steps into the fray, they have the biggest catch of their lives. And I think there's a prophetic message in there somewhere that if you're apathetic today and you're kind of going, well, that's not what I'm called to do or that's not what I'm, you know, that's for the evangelists. I, I hate to tell you this, that please don't give the gift that Jesus gave to the church, the gift of evangelism, an evangelist. Don't confuse your calling and your obedience to serving the Lord in outreach with the evangelists. It, it's, it's a different thing. There's a calling on an evangelist's life to be an evangelist, but there's a calling in you to share your faith. And you don't need to be an evangelist to do that. There's a calling in you to make disciples, and you don't need to be an evangelist to do that. So separate those two things out. I think there's a, there's a, and I want to make it clear before I get into this today that those two things are really, really important. Obedience and apathy. Because they clash with each other. I know I'm called to do this and if I don't do it, I feel guilty, which doesn't help. Or if I do do it, I don't get anywhere and I don't see any results, so I just go apathetic and I say, so what? I'm not going to do it anymore. And you've worked all night. And I want to let you into a little something that I've been mulling over for the last we while, and some of you might have heard this before, but it's worth repeating because I think it was a good sermon. Uh, everything that is worth the beauty of the Lord is always uphill. It never comes easy. Things always seem uphill in the kingdom of God. I don't know why that is because it'd be really easy if it was all downhill. But most of it's uphill. And I realize that the majority of the problem and of the world out there is that many people don't understand that if it's worth it, it'll cost you something. Yeah. In fact, it might cost you everything because anything that's worth anything is usually a struggle to get to. And it's uphill. It's an uphill battle. Uh, John Maxwell wrote a book called Intentional Living. And in it, he says, anything that's worth anything will always be uphill. It will cost you something. It will cost you something in order to get it. Now, our challenge is everything we want, we've got these uphill hopes, uphill dreams, uphill passions. It just seems everything's all uphill. Things are hard for us. And the challenge is we've got all these uphill hopes and dreams, but we've got these downhill habits. And the world has got itself into a very downhill, easy, low-resistance world right now. We've become lazy, we've become apathetic, and we're switching off a lot of things we used to be passionate about off. And at the heart, I think we've become selfish. And the, 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 the riches of the world have caused confusion in us because we want an easy life. I, I seriously had a conversation with a young man a couple of weeks ago who told me that he was creating a business. And I said, okay, have you ever created a business before? He said, no. And he had all these dreams and all these passions. And it was just so unrealistic. But I didn't want to stamp out his passion. You with me? Yeah. 
But everything he was saying was Narninian pie in the sky. There was no hope in heck because he had this big picture but no ability to get to it. And he had this delusional thinking. But he needed somebody to come along and help him take the steps to get to there if he could have ever got there. I said, how are you going to do that? He says, oh, I've got a plan. I said, what is it? He says, well, I need to find 250,000 from somewhere. How are you going to do that? He says, no idea. You see, we, a world right now has taught that you can do anything you put your mind to. And that's true to a degree. But there's a whole 35-year journey that most people have to do to get that, that they forget about. Because we want it all and we want it now. I think somebody wrote a song about that. You see, over the last 25 years, the church has changed in its functionality in many ways. Technology, it's changed really quickly. And we've become what's known as seeker-sensitive church. And I don't know that this is us, but I think there's a heart in us that sometimes this is the way we think. You see, seeker-sensitive churches have seen millions of people come to church, and God's been in that. And people have become Christians through that. And over the years, it's become really good. We've become really good at palming off our own responsibility for evangelism and giving it to the church. Now, what do I mean by that? In other words, you invite someone to church. If you bring them here, they hear a message about Christ. They hear a message about God. There's an invitation for them to get saved. And you've given the responsibility for personal evangelism with that person over to the church. It's a, it's a, if I invite them to church, they'll get saved. But I've got a question for you this morning. What are you and I going to do about the 53% of the people who will never come to a church service? You say, what do you mean, John? I says, well, what part of that do you not understand? (laughs) 53% of the world will never, ever, ever darken the door of a church. That's statistically factual across the world. 53% of people will never darken the door of the church. I mean, they're never coming. And some of the world that I go into, folks that have a very different life to how me, how I would do it, these people are not coming to church anytime soon. People that I fish with, hunt with, talk to, people that I, when they have a problem, let me tell you something, the first place they're, they're not thinking of I'm going to church to sort my problems out. We live in a post-Christian era when people never ever think I need a pastor to help me with that. It's not even, not even, it's not even on their radar It's not even close to their thinking because we've lost it. Now listen to me, you're not good enough, fast enough, smart enough, big enough to get these people to come to church. So what are we going to do about the 53% that aren't coming? How are we going to help that 53% of people who aren't coming to church hear about the Lord? Oh, that's the evangelist job, John. No, it's not. You see, if I was talking to the business world, And this topic came up in the business world and they realized that 53% of anything wasn't getting a product, they would be all over that like a rash. I wish to God that that lost souls would be as important to the church as money is to the business community. And and we've, we've sold ourselves out to this because somewhere along the way, I don't know why, we've lost our heart to understand that there's 53% of an untapped market that have never heard about Christ and they need you to go tell them. And we, we need to come up with strategies to go out to, hit, to reach 53% that aren't buying our product. But let me ask this question. Are you called to church or are you called to your community? I, I'm a church planter. I want to see churches grow. And 
And I used to spend 25 years inviting people to church and I spent the last 12 trying to get them out of the church. It's not working very well. And, and, and I think sometimes we, we, we're so passionate. We, we, we get lost people to come to church and, and we want them to see our lives. We want them to come in and be part of our world. We want them to come in and be passionate about the things that we're passionate about. But they don't understand this church stuff. And they may not really be looking to come in and be part of what we do here. They, 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 they may not look at it and think, oh, that's not something I really want to go to. I don't enjoy it. Maybe they're happy out in the world and they don't, we think they need more than maybe they don't know. Now listen to me. There's a heaven to be gained and a hell to be shunned. 53% of the people are going to hell unless we mobilize ourselves to become people of influence in a world and connect them relationally to Heavenly Father who's searching for them. You're the, you're the in-between link. You're the, you're the person that connects it. You see, there is no hope for these people unless the church changes its mindsets. And we, pastor have to, we pastors have to stop being okay about building churches and, and building... Listen, I, the reason why I'm building you is to go serve. If That's why the type of church that we are is always instructional for Monday. We, 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 don't, we teach, but we don't always teach. We run courses that will teach you scripture if you want to learn about scripture. But I think in a culture where you came here and you learned to sit very quietly and you were educated and you were taught, most people over the age of 50 in this country know their Bible inside out, upside down, but they do not know Jesus. Compulsory RE, they learn about the, the gospel stories, but they don't know Jesus. And the problem is, if all I'm doing is teaching you the word and you're not effectively doing anything about it, what the heck is the point? And I can teach, but I don't want to. You know why? I'd rather, there's no, motiv- there's no amount of motivation in me can get the church to get out. I don't know where Barry's here today. Barry's, Barry's running a huge evangelical event in September. They came to me the other week. He just said, you know, John, you know the problem is the church is so apathetic, I can't get by in. To bring, to bring people to an event. By the words changed. 25 years ago, when Billy Graham was doing it, you brought your friends to a stadium and hundreds of thousands of people give their lives to the Lord. The word's not functioning that way anymore, folks. So what are we going to do? Still do the old school? Are we going to have to come up with new understanding? God's going to have to break our hearts with something that breaks his. And it's too big for just me. It's way over my head. I'm out of my depth. We've got to find something of the heartbeat of God. We've dumbed down evangelism, folks. We've made it easy for ourselves. We've made it easy to give an account of the hope of glory in you. I know because I used to be the person who would invite people to church. We used to have an event called Manifest. Who remembers going to Manifest? A few of you. I used to bring all my friends there because I knew they would get saved. I have friends who were saved 25 times. <laughs> Every appeal, they were at the front. Where's Handy? He's not here today. He's away. But Handy was saved, I don't know, many times, 50 times before he got saved. <laughs> He'll tell you that himself. <laughs> we bring them to, but actually, it, we've, lost our, we've lost our own art of sharing our own faith. We've lost our ability to share because we've dumbed it all down and we've used other people and the skill set of the church and the ministry and evangelists to see our friends and family saved. We bring them to church. And by the way, let me tell you something. Everything that you do is worth it because it's uphill. And we have to have a mindset change that this is going to be hard work. 
This is going to cost us something. This is going to have to do something inside of us. And, and we've taught people about of what we've taught people about evangelism is downhill. And it needs to change. We have to give a choice that if it's, think about it, it's easier to bring a lost person to church and have the church tell them over have your own personal responsibility for the lost on your own shoulders, which is easier to do, bring them to church. And yet you're the one that has a relationship with them, not the church. Too many people come to me and say, John, would you talk to him about Jesus? It happens to me all the time. Here, John, tell him about Christ. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Have, I, have you not been listening to what I've been saying for 12 years? Right. No, but you're good at it. <clears throat> and we've allowed people for 25 years, listen to me, go easy, low fruit, catch them when they fall into the kingdom type of evangelism. And we have to do something about it because I think it's on the heart of God and I think he's beginning to remind the church of a lost world again. Because 53% when you're done celebrating an amazing Sunday service and you're done encountering Jesus, maybe, just maybe, you're missing something about the mission that God's called us to. It's time to go fishing. It's time to go fishing. And that's why we do the community events we do because we don't go out there and hang them over hell. We just don't do it. You know why? It doesn't work. We go out there and we bless 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 and somewhere along the way somebody goes, why are you doing that job? And I've earned the right to speak into their life in that moment. You, can't, you, you have to earn the right. And I think Paul, I think Paul gives us a blueprint. I want to read for the message because it's brilliant. Please write this down and put it on your heart. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 23. This is what he says. Even though I'm free of the demands and the expectations of everyone. Oh, to be free of the demands and expectations of everyone. Lord, that's my prayer this week. This is what he says. I have voluntarily became a servant in any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Listen to this list. Religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralist, loose-living, immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. Sound like somebody you know? I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered into their world trying to experience things from their point of view. We want people to experience it from our point of view, but we have no idea how to experience it from their point of view. And we've lost an art. But I entered their world and tried to experience it from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into God-saving life. And I did this because of the message. I didn't just walk the, the talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. And Paul tells us about this intentionality of how we're meant to follow Christ. Number one, if you're taking notes, good fishermen know where the fish are located. Isn't that right, Andy? <laughs> yeah, we find them and then we don't tell anybody. I fished with my son last week. I went through a pool. I fished it for 25 minutes. I didn't catch one fish. I didn't even one pluck. I fished it all the way through up and down, never in the know. Used all the sexy flies that he had because he tied it to them. And I, he says, get out of the way. <laughs> 15 fish in five minutes in the same hole I'd fished for 20 minutes before that. I'm like, you're hanging around Manly McClellan too long. He's away today practicing for the All-Irelands. He's down there and he was telling me a story. He says, Campbell, the guy Campbell's our coach. So he's been training them. 
And uh, he says, he says there's five guys went through the pool in front of me. And Campbell's been working with Ethan for the last three months. And he says, Ethan, go show them how to do it. He went down through the pool that they, six of them had been through, tramped through the pool, and he pulled nine fish out. And they're all like, huh, how are you doing that? I don't know. He just knows how to catch fish. And he knows where they're located. And he knows every rock and nook and cranny and way the water works. And he knows it far better than me. And you know the funny thing right now is, he won't tell me. <laughs> Well-trained, McClellan, well-trained. <laughs> but we need to figure out strategy of where the fish are. And you need to get strategy and plan. And the church needs to have a rethink about how we're going to catch the fish hiding behind the big rock that we can't see. And we've got to figure it out. We've got to get better at it. And I realized that if I want to share, if I want to share my faith, the first thing I have to do is earn the right. But if you don't have a relationship with the community, you will never have the right. Do you know why? Because they do not respect us anymore. They think we're the bunch of crazy. Can I say this? Stop being, stop being stupid Christians. Stop being weirdos. Like, just stop it. Stop talking garbly good Christians nonsense to your friends. They don't understand it. They don't get it. And they don't think you're weird. You earn the right. Hi, just go be their freaking friend. Start somewhere. <laughs> See, I'm a minister, and you get two different reactions. What do you do for a job? I, I love, was it, um, what do you call the guy, Cannon? J. John, he says he's on a plane. He says, we've got an international organization. I don't know if you heard this story. He's on a plane. He's got, I've got an international organization. We've got, we've got departments in every area of the world. We have hundreds and hundreds of workers and staff. The woman's like, really? That's a big corporation? He says, yes. We, we reach them in his way. We do so much charity work all over the planet. And the guy goes, so, so what do you do? He says, I'm a minister in the church. <laughs> oh, right. The world don't respect that anymore. They respect somebody with 25 million followers on Instagram. They don't respect doctors anymore. They don't respect nurses or teachers. Teachers, they respect fame and glory and Instagram and Snapchat. Just kind of the world's, the world's changed. Well, how do we do that? Well, we've got to find where the fish are and then we have to add value to them. See, when we catch a fish, we don't eat them. We, we put them back. The reason why I say that is because when we catch a fish, there's a process that has to take place. Because until a fish wants to be caught, they will hide. But if you don't know where to find them, you don't know where to interact with them, you don't know how to put, put a thing. The other thing as well is we have to make them hungry. We've put all sorts of stupid food in front of them. Here's a Bible study. Why don't you come to me with a Bible study? Huh? Got a prayer meeting? You got what? Why don't you come to me with a, the, the, the Wednesday night Bible study? I know, it'll be a great night for you. What? I'm going to watch Man United in the final of the Champions League at the pub? How do I value people if I don't understand where they're coming from? Number two, good fishermen understand how fish behave. Paul says, I have fondly become a servant of any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralist, loose-living, immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. Paul wasn't afraid of people's lifestyles. 
I didn't go judging them. Listen to me. Stop judging the lost. Holy smoke. Here's another one. Stop judging Christians. How you just start there? How you ever going to not judge your loss if you don't know how to stop judging each other? Do, do you know, I, I don't think we should be influenced by the culture in regards to sinfulness. But I certainly think we need to be in the culture influencing it. I think sometimes we just, we're Pharisees, the non-Christians. I hear all the time, I have to apologize for what Christians have done on the side of the riverbank. I don't know many times. I'm so sorry. I agree with you. Christians are weird. I'm so sorry that happened to you. I'm so sorry the church hurt you. I'm so sorry. We've, we've just missed it. How about you start with loving people? How about you just start just adding value to their lives? Just go bless them. Cut their garden. Just do something nice for them. You're more like Jesus when you have a greater desire to connect with lost people than you have to correct lost people. Unconditionally love them. You see, God doesn't change us to accept us. He accepts us to change us. And I think sometimes we miss out on that. And lost people, listen, they don't get it. I have a, I have a principle that John Maxwell wrote about. He called it the 101% principle. Find 1% that you agree on and go after it with 100%. You know what we do? We, we, we find the 99% that we don't agree on. And then give it 1% effort. We, we, we need to change our mindsets about this. We've got to find common ground. Find something that you connect with. Find something that, that you can get into. You see, Christians do the opposite. We find that 1% to disagree with and we give it 100% of our efforts. Yeah, I apologize all the time for what Christians do. You see, you know why? The world is browbeaten. They're hung over hell. This country is so full of religiosity that they're just done. You know the biggest group of people in the world in Northern Ireland right now are people who used to go to church. Honestly, it's like, it's like an, un, an unreached group of people because they put their faith in church and not Jesus and then got upset when the church let them down. Let me say that again. If you put your faith in the church and the people who lead the church rather than Jesus, you're in big trouble because I promise you, I will hurt you. I will let you down. I won't mean to, but I will. Put your faith in the one that won't let you down and then let the church make a mess of its life because Jesus said at some point he's going to come back and make it right. Thank goodness. See, we cut people off. We, 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 we have an attitude problem when we have a Pharisee heart. We cut people off. We self-sabotage ourselves from faith. Well, well I don't agree with you on that. So what? Who cares? Agreement is not the end result. How about you try not to? You know what? I I totally agree with you in your sinfulness. There's a wee tip for evangelism. Have a go at that. I tell other people all the time. Oh, you want to live like that? No bother. But you're a Christian, John. Yeah, that's right. I'm not telling you how you live your life. Will you still be my friend? Yes. Find the 1% that you want to connect with them and go after it. We've we got to get better at this. Lost people are lost people and the mission of a church is for us to show them Jesus. The, they don't know they're lost sometimes. They have no idea that they're lost. 
Also, stop calling them lost. <laughs> We're going after the great unwashed. They're all lost. Who? Huh? I'm lost? I didn't know. I thought I was fine. Ye- ye- ye. Number three, good fishermen use a variety of strategies. Oh, I hate running out of time, especially when it's good. Good fishermen have a variety of strategies. Paul says, I didn't take on their way of life. Listen, he didn't go in and take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. He knew who he was in Christ. But I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. There's a good evangelism tip. Have a go experiencing from their point of view. You might change your mind about something. We want them to experience it from our point of view. Stop it. Doesn't work anymore. So try another way. Let me, let me experience it from their point of view. I may morally and fundamentally disagree with it, but it's not about me, it's about them. We have to, we have to let go of some things, folks. Who knows it? You know, we, listen. Oh, what to keep in and what to pick out. Listen, you don't have to be like them to reach them, but you have to like them to reach them. See, can I say this? God loves Sinn Féin. He also loves the DUP. But some Christians are better known for their political views than they are about the blood of Christ. And we get our we get ourselves in such twists over dumb politics. And we all complain about it. And yet we keep voting for them. We have a dissent problem. You see, sometimes we want the government. Let the government have moral views like I have biblically. I'll vote those people in. Sometimes they're the lunatics that you should never let near government. (laughs) Be very careful when you're picking someone to represent you. I have a better relationship with a complete atheist who's doing more in the community this work. And I tell him regularly, you're the, best, you're the best Christian I know. Complete atheist. Because he does more in this community than most Christians that I know. I tell him it regularly. We disagree on everything morally. Everything. He says, John, how do you feel about homosexuality? So, well, I have a biblical view. Doesn't mean to say I hate people. Doesn't mean to say I don't love them. Doesn't mean to say there's a place for them in our church. He says, most churches don't think like you. I says, that's correct. And most people think how they think is how we think. And it's not. Now, I can't, I can't undo the Bible. But I can certainly take a better stance and view and love people better and figure out how to share my faith. We've got to get better at it, folks. We've got to get new insight. We've we got to know, um, you know, Come on up, band. You, you will not truly know how saved you are and how good a Christian you are until you immerse yourself in lost people. Yeah. If you have nothing to challenge your faith, how would you know? If all you ever do is all day, every day, Christian events with Christian people in a Christian world, you will have no idea how to lead people to Jesus and understand anything about their world. And you need to learn how to understand what it looks like to the loss. I call it the crossover. If you've never crossed over, if you've never gone into the world of, of the lost, 
you need to start doing it. I was in Middletown a couple of weeks ago and a guy came in and uh, he sat down and the place was, was, was empty. And uh, there was only two of us there and it was doing some work on the computer and I came down. Completely empty, early in the morning and I, I had a cup of coffee sitting eating my eggs Benedict and a guy came and sat down in the seat beside me. Right, I was sitting. I'm like, Lord, you're setting me up, aren't you? He went, uh-huh. Really? I've got a pile of work to do. Start chatting to the guy. Nice day, nice weather, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's great weather. What are you doing? He says, Can I ask you a question? He says, Yeah. He says, Why did you sit down here? He says, I didn't want to sit on my own. He says, What do you mean you didn't want to sit on your own? Are you lonely? Yeah. Now, I'm being a bit facetious, but that was kind of how it was. I spent the next hour and a half having a conversation with this man about his life. Did a TT dealing with him in, in Middletown. Probably not the right environment, but had the opportunity and I took it. It's the second person I've led to Jesus in Middletown over a cup of coffee. Do you know what I'm sad about? I haven't led 100 people to Jesus in Middletown. Five years ago in there, I've got two people. And you can clap, hear me, it's great. Many people have you led to Jesus in Middletown our third day? Talk to them about their lives, interact with them. We, they're looking for us people. They're looking for us. And we're nowhere to be seen. We've, we've a, a hurting world, right? Oh my goodness, it's so bad. We don't have a hardened sinner problem. We have an uncommitted Christian problem. We need to change our mindset, folks. We, see, most Christians make sinners mad. We've got to learn how to make them hungry. I have this I wish thing. When somebody talks to me about how crap their life is, I say, man, I wish you had my peace. I, I wish you could feel how secure I am in, in, in what Christ has given me. I, I wish you had my peace right now. I wish you had my security right now. I wish you didn't have the fear that I don't have anymore. I sometimes say that to people before they know I'm a Christian. It's like, what do you mean? I says, I, I wish we had it. So how do you get that? He says, if I tell you, you'll not like it. <laughs> how do you get this peace you're talking about? No, honestly, you don't want to know. <laughs> if I tell you, you're, you're, gonna, you're not going to like it. No, tell me, how do you get this peace? Honestly, are you sure you want to know? Yes, I want to know. Well, I'm a Christian and it's in Christ. Oh, is that all? understand what I'm saying we, we need to make them hungry got to put the right colored fly finally good fishermen expect a catch we, we need to be salt and light in the world Jesus went to village after village after village they went out there they did it they interacted with it good fishermen know good fishermen expect a catch and if you have to do it day after day after day after day after day after day please don't get apathetic about it Paul goes on to finish off this. He said this. Man, I had about three more pages to share with you. Paul says, I didn't do any of this to get a harvest. The, the, the result was not why he was doing it. I said, I did this because of the message. 
I kept doing it because of the message. I didn't give up on it because of the message. It was not results orientated. It was because Jesus asked him to do it. It was part of being a Christian. Apathy. Lord, we've, we've put our nets out all night. We caught nothing. Jesus said, we'll go do it again. And there's something in a mindset. I don't know why. But when Jesus comes in, he makes empty nets full by his power. And we do it because Jesus asked us, not because of the results of the fish that we catch. I, I, during our impact week, you know what always frustrates me? The 80-20 rule of church. 20% of people do 80% of the work over and over again. Every pastor I speak to tells you the same. We can't get 80% of the church mobilized because 20% of the people are burnt out and tired doing everything on your behalf. And next week, we're going to put a desk at the back and we've got different jobs that we're going to do on our impact week. We're going to do some gardening. We're going to do some street parties. We're going to do cleanups. We're going to go into the States. We're going to work with some of the local community stuff. How good would it be if we could get every single member of our church, 463 adults and 240 kids are on our church suite right now. That's over 600 people, which clearly they don't come to church every week anymore, but that's a whole other story for another time. But imagine we could go to our local town with that number of people. We had actually probably be able to cut every grass that's long, every garden that needs restored, and every estate that needed a little bit of cleaning done. We could probably do it all like that. But we've, we've lost the mission because we think it's solo, it's up to me, but actually that's why the church exists because when we do it together, many hands make light work. You know, our, we're, I've spoiled, I've, my interns went home, our interns this year though went home, and then I realized just how much work they were actually doing. And now on a Friday night, it's me in here setting out the chairs. I came in this Friday night and Catherine was in here setting up the chairs, but there was another event on a Saturday and I had to say, look, thanks anyway, but, but no thanks. I, I got me thinking, I'm thought, it's the standard of the church. One person comes in to put the seats out so you can sit here this morning. You know, nobody's ever come to me and said, John, do you mind if I come on a Friday night, 10 o'clock and set all the chairs out every week? Nobody's ever said that to me. Nobody's ever come and said, John, could, could, you, could you show me somebody that needs some help? I'd really like to go and spend some time with them. Nobody's ever done that. You know what they do? They bring their friends and go, hey, John, would you fix them? We don't, we don't get better at this. People we love, people we know, friends and family, go to hell. And we don't care sometimes. We're too caught up in our world. If ever there's a message of the gospel that is burning inside of me right now, is I want to equip the church, that's you, for acts of service. What's that? To reach a lost world. Please come and join us next week. When you sign up on that table for the 17th through to the 20, 27th of July, where we are going to take a whole bunch of people out into our community 
And we're not even going to tell them about Jesus unless they ask. We're just going to go and be a visible presence. One of the things I'm working on is putting a massive mural on the old church building opposite Pogue Center at the minute. I think I've got a yes on that. Remember last year we went down and we did the alleyway and we put the lights in. The people in Antrim remember that. Every year I go out to Bethel, I take hundreds of chocolate bars with me. Every year. Just keep giving them Cadbury's, Cadbury's chocolate. Do you know they never forget my name when I go over? <laughs> the more we bless, the bigger influence we have. And someday, someway, someone will come to me and go, you're from Journey Community Church. Year in, year out, you've come and you've blessed us. Why do you do it? Because of the message. Because of Jesus. Let's stand. Thank you.